Hey there, I'm Joey Dean, lead pastor of South Lakes Church in Oklahoma City. At South Lakes Church, we exist to be radically devoted to God, relentlessly committed to true community, and remarkably passionate for the lost. We hope your faith is strengthened and you grow closer to Jesus as you listen this morning. Now let's jump into this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm glad you're here this morning. Thanks for being here. Why don't you grab a Bible and turn to Matthew 28 this morning or grab a Bible in the seat in front of you or go to Version, go to slchurch.live. They'll be up on the screen, lots of different ways for you to check out uh, sermon notes and all sorts of things. And so as you're turning to Matthew 28 this morning and as you're getting your sermon notes out, let me give you a couple of updates. Uh, a lot of it affects this service, actually. And so... Um, Grant Adams, our worship minister, uh, he was gone last week because he had uh, COVID and Friday he was feeling great and then they, he went into the hospital and long story short, he is now watching from a hospital bed with COVID pneumonia um, and so I just got a text from him in between services and he's going to be released tomorrow but I guess because of the pneumonia he'll have COVID for another two weeks and so Anyway, and then his daughter and wife got tested uh, because they started coming down with fevers yesterday. And so crazy, crazy day. And then um, also uh, this week, Amber, our children's minister, uh, got a phone call early in the morning. Her dad was having a heart attack, and it was one of those widowmaker heart attacks where 100% blockage, and he, the grace of God was on him, and he is alive. And so... And, um, and so that was, a, that was just the staff. That's just what was going on this week with staff. And then I can't even begin to tell you about um, church-wise. My phone was blowing up all week long. This service in particular, most of our young families with kids come here. I feel like, like the entire second service is on quarantine because of just teacher has it, and so everyone's quarantining. But I am so glad that you're here this morning in person. For those that are well enough to be here, and for those that are online, I'm glad that you're here uh, watching online. And so today we're wrapping up um, our... Oh, I've got one more thing to share. I'm sorry. I lost my, lost my train of thought. So um, we have been requested uh, by one of our members who uh, is a doctor at St. Anthony's Hospital. She emailed me and said, hey, uh, man, morale is super low in the COVID wing, and we need morale for boost for the patients, and then we need morale boost for nurses as well, because the nurse is the only one that can really encourage, because they're the only ones on the floor. And so I was so pleased by the first service response, and I would love for the to be great for the second service as well. Out on the table, there are cards. They're just blank cards. There's some stamps. This is not, don't make the prettiest card in the world. Don't take this home and decorate it and show us how good you are at calligraphy, all right? This is, would you take a card real quick at the end of service, and would you write either a get well card, or would you write a, just a note of encouragement for nurses? And then when you stick it in the envelope, would you put, we didn't do this first service, so I'm so sorry, Deanna, who's going to have to go through these cards. But if you'll put either nurse or patient on the top corner, that way they know exactly who this is going to go to. And then for the next several Several weeks, um, Deanna is going to be taking these cards and be delivering them to her work. And this is just a small way for us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so if you're online, I'm sorry, maybe you can shoot me an email and then we can transcribe it over. I don't know. But um, if you'll grab a card on the way out, fill it out here and then drop it in the bucket, uh, you'll see it. It's all set up out there. That'd be great. So anyway, so today we're wrapping up uh, distinctives and where we're simply just walking through what makes the church 
unique. And so today we're wrapping up with the fifth and final distinctive. And to do that, I have to ask a question um, that is a simple question, but yet it's not a it's not a simple answer. And the question is this: What would it look like if our lives were centered around being radically devoted to God? relentlessly committed to the true community, and remarkably passionate for the lost. So now these three things are the tagline of South Lakes. If you're doing going through the Distinctives Bible study right now, you're probably sick and tired of writing that out, but we really want to get it ingrained in people's minds. What would it look like if you were sold out for being radically devoted, remarkably passionate, and relentlessly committed? And so I begin thinking about that. Like, what would that look like in our lives if we were sold out for Jesus? And the, the, the end result would be this. People would look at us a lot differently. Like, for example, and I'm not saying that when they look at us differently, that's not always a good thing, right? I think that's why we shy away from it. Like, we might end up being known as that religious nut Larry down in accounting, right? Or we could be known as that spiritual lady Sally who's in my neighborhood who walks around the neighborhood talking out loud, but she says she's quote-unquote praying, right? Or maybe you'd be known as that family that no one wants to be on their team or they want to have be in anything because you, if it interferes with church stuff, you're like, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't go today. And you're like, well, no one wants you on their team because we want people that are going to be there all the time. And then I just begin thinking about Facebook, which is pretty much the bane of my existence. I just despise Facebook. Um, and I begin thinking about just looking back over our previous 20 posts. Let's not even go like a year back. Let's just say if you were to go back and look at your past pre, your past 20 previous posts, would your posts show people how much you love Jesus or would they be more about posting your political affiliation or your stance on masks and vaccines? And I just began thinking through this and I began thinking through what matters and if we're sold out for something, then it, it affects us, right? And so Brian read just a little bit ago out of Matthew 28 that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. In other words, there is literally no higher uh, person that we can petition to, no one that has greater authority than Jesus. Um, that's, uh, that's a period that's, that's done, right? I, I love how Paul puts it to the church in Philippi. He write, writes in uh, uh, Philippians chapter 2, he goes, This is what Jesus did. He, uh, he humbled himself. He became a servant, and then when he became a servant, he died on the cross, he rose from the grave, and then this is the result. It says, therefore, God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And so in other words, there's no higher being, there's no higher anything than Jesus. And so when you think about this practically in our lives as believers, when a person submits their life to Jesus as Savior, and I need us to listen very carefully online or here in person, all right? If you say, Jesus is my Savior, he's forgiven me of my sins, then it is unbiblical at best and heretical at worst for you to say that Jesus is my Savior, but he's not my Lord. In other words, you can't say that Jesus has saved me from the clutches of hell, but I have no intentions of doing what he wants me to do in my life. I'm not going to walk in obedience to the commandments of Scripture. Those actually are very unbiblical. It's not how it works out. And if our lives is modeled by the fact of, I believe that he saved me, but I have zero desire to do what he says, I got to tell you, you ain't saved. That's just how that works. Because we walk in obedience because he is Lord of our lives. 
But here's the crazy thing. When we recognize that there's no greater authority than Jesus, then it has a profound impact on our lives. And we don't mind if we're known as crazy Larry down in accounting or spiritual lady Sally who walks around praying out loud. And the reason is because when we begin to compare ourselves to the alpha and the omega, or we begin to compare ourselves to the beginning and the end, and we begin to realize that if COVID has taught us many things, but one of the main things is that every person in this room has an expiration date. We are going to expire at some point. And when you compare that we are finite and we are will expire to the fact that there is someone, there is a, there is, there is a God out there who never will expire. He's never been born then you begin to think, wow, there's just no comparison. In fact, I think of like six-month-olds. Like I would never, ever, 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 ever take advice from a six-month-old. I don't care if your six-month-old is that freaky genius who learned to walk at four months old, can read at five months old, and is quoting Shakespeare at six months old, all right? I don't care how smart your kid is. I will never take advice from a six-month-old. Why? Because he or she is six months old, and it just doesn't make any sense for an adult to take advice from a six-month-old. That's what it's like when you compare us to God. We're like, hey, God, I've got a plan for my life. I think this is the better way to do it. And God looks down at us and goes, oh, you are such a cute little six-month-old. Like, you're so cute, but you dumb, right? You don't know what you're talking about. And then we recognize that at South Lakes Church, just like any other church, when we recognize that every person that calls South Lakes Church home, you have a personal story with God. Every person who calls South Lakes home, you have your own hurts and your own joys. You have your own backstory with God. You have your own, some of you have been in, um, with people that call South Lakes home, that you, you've survived tornadoes. And some of you have survived fires. And some of you have, have survived really horrendous wrecks that have wreaked havoc on your body. And everything in between, we all have our own backstory. Some of you have experienced sudden loss. And you had to wrestle with God through that. And now Jesus, in all of this authority that he has, takes each believer with our own backstory and he knits us together in order to form one body called South Lakes. And this is what we talked about last week with distinction number four. You are not this. You are not a Lego brick that can just be easily thrown away and replaced. This is how the world views us. We are simply a brick. We are plug and play. But when you look at scripture and you say, God has designed every believer to be a puzzle piece. You look unique, you act unique, and you've been gifted uniquely so that you fit into a puzzle of a local church that makes it healthy. And that's what God does because he is Lord. And the only way that a church can be healthy and to be who God has designed it to be is when everyone recognizes that you are unique, that you have been saved for a purpose, and that God wants to take all your giftings and he wants to plug you in so that you are essential to the health of the church. So that's last week's sermon. You go listen to that, all right? But today, we're talking about our fifth and final distinction, and this is a big one. And here it is. The church is plan A for reaching a lost and dying world. The church is plan A for reaching a lost and dying world. Now, if you're like me, you probably have a backup plan, or maybe you have a backup plan for your backup plan. That's not how God operates. God does not operate with a plan A and a plan B. 
And people go, well, what about that whole Adam and Eve thing? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, you know, Adam and Eve. Like God creates paradise and he puts Adam and Eve in there and they're perfect. And then by Genesis 3, they eat the fruit. They walk away from the will of God. And Jesus, God goes, well, I guess we got to go to plan B. Let's send Jesus to die on the cross. Jesus was never plan B. Jesus was always plan A. In fact, when you look in scripture, it says very clearly that before the foundation of the world, Jesus had already died. Meaning that before God said, let there be light, Jesus was already crucified. I have no clue how that happens. That's why he's God and that's why I'm a six month old. All right. But that's how that works. So when Adam and Eve fell, plan A, plan A, let's send Jesus. God only operates in plan A's, and the church is plan A. There is no plan B, and that's what we're going to walk about. Let me, let me pray for us real quick, and then we'll dive in. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, even at home, if you join in on this, please? God, I come to you in the mighty name of Jesus, and we confess that not only are you Savior, but you are Lord. And Father, I pray that this morning that you would challenge us. I don't know what everyone else's week has been like, but it, it's, it's been a little stressful for many. And there's been a lot of heartache and a lot of pain, a lot of close calls, a lot of near misses. And so, Father, I pray that today would be a sense of joy and excitement and peace. I pray it would be encouraging. Father, I also pray that it would be challenging. And I pray that the ultimate conclusion is this, is that you are worthy to be called Lord. So, Father, as we look at the fifth and final distinction of the church, I pray that you would challenge us as individuals and that you would challenge us as the body of Christ. God, we love you and we thank you. We praise in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. All right, Matthew 28. We're going to read a couple verses and then we're going to stop. We're going to talk about it and then we'll read a few more. All right, Matthew 28, verse 16 says this. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Now, I have a couple questions here. I would like for a little group participation. How many disciples were present during this time? 11. And there were two primary feeling or things that were happening in the hearts of these disciples, what were they? they? They say it in verse 17. One was they worshiped, and the other one was they doubted. Now, I've never actually heard a sermon that just focuses in on 17. I'd love to hear that sermon. Because in the Great Commission, 17 is actually my favorite verse. I love verse 17, and then I love the three sent words that come after that where it says, and Jesus came. See, these were not chumps that had just stumbled upon a resurrected Savior who was about to ascend into heaven. These are the 11 of the 12 original men who have given three plus years of their life to watch Jesus heal people, feed people, raise people from the dead. They saw him walk on water. They saw him calm storms. They saw him do incredible things. Not to mention they had just spent 40 days with him after his resurrection. And in all the things that they had witnessed in their three plus years, they were still trying to wrap their minds around everything that they were seeing. And even in the midst of seeing everything that they had seen with their own two eyeballs, they still doubted. And I love it, what Jesus' response is, because his response is not to throw them under the bus 
or not to call them out. He doesn't rebuke them. The three words said, and Jesus came. He went to them. Though they still doubted, he did not rebuke them, but he moved towards them. So one of my heroes of the faith is Martin Luther, one of the great reformers of our time. And Martin Luther puts it like this. He says, faith is the wrestle with doubt. Faith is the wrestle with doubt. And I love this text because a lot of times we like to say, oh, doubt, that's not a good thing. But actually, doubt is a very much an active part of yours and my faith, right? And we've all struggled with it, right? Like something happens in your life. And, and, and it had to be God. It had to be God that did it. But then you sit there and you go, I don't know. Maybe that was just a coincidence. Like maybe that was just, maybe that was just a coincidence. Like it doesn't matter how big it was or how small it was. You just sit there and you go, I, I don't know. And we're very forgetful people, right? So maybe there's a season in your life where God is just protecting and watching over you and then you just keep moving on and you forget about the God what he's done before and you begin to just doubt some things when when some curveballs come your way and you're like "Eh, will God really be there and you're like but he literally just like he saved your dad from a widow maker heart attack right and and yet six weeks later you're going to be like I don't know can God handle this faith is the wrestle with doubt And that's what the disciples were going through. And so if you're here this morning and you're struggling with doubt in any way, I just want you to know that Jesus is not here to condemn you, but he wants to move towards you. And that's why for me, today is Covenant Renewal Sunday at the church. And we're actually going to extend it out a few weeks because, well, COVID is what COVID is, okay? And I know that it's hard for everyone to be here. But covenant renewal is this. It's just us saying as God's people, I need to be reminded because the last 18 months have kicked us in the teeth. And I have the conversation with people and I understand what people are going through. I get that. And I understand that some people have forgotten this is who God calls me to be. And so we're acting like Jesus is Savior, but he's not Lord. And so a renewal is just coming alongside and saying, I need to be reminded. I need to be reminded that Jesus wants to run towards me and not run away from me. He's not here to condemn me, but he's here to offer me a hand of grace. And that's why we have uh, this renewal service today. And we'll have it next week and we'll have it the next week. Is It's a reminder that, you know, what it doesn't matter what the last 18 months is God is not here to throw stones at you he's here to offer you a hand and pick you up and we need to be reminded of that and we need to say I'm going to commit to continue to make Jesus Lord so let's keep reading on verse 18 says and Jesus came and said to them how many disciples were there again there 11 that's going to be really important here in a minute all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so we've already established that Jesus is Savior and Jesus is Lord. And because there's no other person that we can petition higher than him, because God has elevated him to be above every name, all right, then the response here is in verse 19. It says, so go. So in the Greek, this word go is written in the, as an emphatic command. So it's really, go is not the best way to describe what Jesus is telling him to do. Jesus just said, listen, I'm your boy. I'm the top dog. I'm here. I've been given all authority. So what it means is as you go from this point forward, or actually my, my favorite translation is this, so move, so 
move. If Jesus is Lord, then move. If Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and on earth, if he's Savior and Lord of your life, then move. Now, we know this because we grew up in the buckle of the Bible about most of us, and we hear this, right? But this would have been huge for these 11 disciples because all for their lives and all throughout most of the Bible in the Old Testament, this is what God's command was. Build the temple. My presence will come on the temple in Jerusalem and the nations will come to Jerusalem and they will know that I am God and they will worship me at the temple. And now Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. People aren't going to come to Jerusalem anymore. You're going to go to them. You're going to go. So move. So move. Just because you build it doesn't mean that people will be drawn to it. So move. And as you move, he goes, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. Teach them what? To observe all of his commands. Why? Because you can't have Jesus as Savior and not as Lord. And then Jesus caps it off by saying, oh, and by the way, just to encourage you a little bit, I'm going to go with you through the entire process. So the question, though, this morning is how does this play out in our lives? So let me ask a couple questions, another group participation. You can raise your hands at home and I'll just pretend I see it, okay? Um, How many of you, you know that you have been called to sell everything and move to a foreign country and to reach unreached people? Could you raise your hand? Mm, Yeah, we didn't, I was afraid of this. Mark, we had zero in the first service too, yeah. Okay, all right, let me ask another question. How many of you are called to do ministry full-time vocation? Like, that's your job, that's what you're going to give your life to. Anyone? Raise your hand. All right, we've got one. All right, we got two. Oh, yeah, that's not very good either. Well, so I guess uh, we're done. We can just close up and we can, we can move on. But that's not how this works because the command is given for all people who say that Jesus is Savior and Lord to go. So what if I'm not called to go to reach the unreached people groups in Afghanistan? Or what if I'm not called to serve on a staff or to do whatever it is, that full-time vocational ministry, which looks very different, you know, in different parts of where you are. But the command is that we all are supposed to move. So in order to do that, I want to get super practical and I want to answer three questions this morning and this is where the bulk of your sermon notes are. The first question I want to ask is this. If I'm supposed to make disciples, then where am I supposed to be making disciples? That's the first question. Where am I supposed to be making disciples? And so there's four primary areas that we see that we should be making disciples in and we see this in Acts 1.8. We see this in other parts of scriptures as well. So the nucleus, and it's always been this way from the beginning for disciple making, has been and always will be the home. The home is always the center of disciple-making. Now, if disciple-making is too big of a churchy word for you, think of it like this. How are we helping people to look more like Jesus? How are we helping them to fall more in love with Jesus and to, and to, 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 to live in submission to the word of God? Like, how do we do that? That's disciple-making. And the reality is this, is that that process of disciple-making actually should not and cannot start at the church level. It has to happen on the home level, and the church comes alongside of the home to help. Now, I realize that what I'm about to say, every subsequent generation up to this point has always said this, but I want to back this up with why I think it's more true today than ever. It is hard to be a parent in 2021. It's hard. It is extremely difficult to be a parent, more so than any other uh, 
parent decade before us. And here's the reason. It's because everyone and their dog posts on how to do it the right way online. Like you cannot turn on social media without reading about five tips on how your parenting can be more successful. Or you get on YouTube and there's a blog by someone. And my favorite ones are the ones that go, I'm going to give you 15 steps on how to be a successful parent. By the way, I don't have kids yet. And I'm like, why in the world are you posting this? You're like 13 years old. Why are you posting a video on how I, a grown adult, should be a good parent to my kids? It's hard. Because when we begin to compare ourselves to what everyone says the right way to do, when you go to Mardell or wherever your, whatever your Christian bookstore is, right, or you go online and you're like, let's go look at parenting books. And you just watch all these parenting books on how to do it the right way. And it's hard. And so I think one thing that is very important for us to understand as parents is this. Did you know that parenting is an art and it's not a science? Parenting is an art and not a science. And here's the reason it's not a science. It's because in parenting, there are no guarantees. And the reason there's no guarantees is because, let's just be honest, you can't control all your kids' choices. And even if you did somehow find the secret formula and you were to put it all in place, that doesn't guarantee the outcome of what your kid's going to be like. Now, it helps. You set some good foundations, but there's no guarantee In fact, if you think that you can do A, B, C to get X, Y, Z, then you're setting yourself up for heartbreak as a parent. You are setting yourself up for a heartbreak as a parent. You know what we do as parents? The best we can. We create safe environments. We create learning environments. I hope that you're doing this. You're making Jesus the apex of your home. Like there's nothing more important. You're helping to teach your kids that you should center your lives around Jesus. But in the end, that doesn't guarantee anything. I have four little human beings that I'm responsible for that the Lord has gifted me called Kira, Everly, Emmeline, and Olive. And I can't save a single one of them. I can't. I can point them to Jesus. I can disciple them to, 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 to love Jesus. But in the end, they have to choose. And that's the difficult part is that if we start at home, most of us, if we were to take a poll, I think we would be honest and say, you know what, no one ever has discipled me to look more like Jesus, so I don't even know where to start. And this is why the church comes alongside. The church comes alongside. I love what Amber's doing in SL Kids as we're doing this gospel-centered parenting class. It's just a three, four-week class where we just want to say, hey, what's the Bible say? How, how, should we, how should we make the gospel central in our area, in our parenting? I love that. I love the resources that Amber is putting together. And, and, and 2022 is going to be legit, the things that are happening in 2022. Resources that we're sending home for parents so that you can have good conversations. Because let's just be honest, sometimes the most terrifying conversation is on the drive home when you go, hey, what did you learn in church today? And your kids actually tell you, one of those one in 10 times when they actually tell you. And they go, dad, but I have a question for you. And they throw out the question and you're like, I, I don't know the answer to that. And so it's just easy not to even ask. That's why for six years, I've been beating the drum of we've got to be in God's word consistently because that's how we put the whole armor of God on. That's why Rico's done such a great job in community groups is let's put people, let's surround ourselves with people that are in the same stage of life as us. Let's surround ourselves with people that are in the next stage of life. Let's surround ourselves with people that are in the stage below us. Let's all work together. It starts in the home. That's where we start. Secondly, it goes from the home to our neighborhood. And you go, well, how in the world am I supposed to help people look more like Jesus in my neighborhood? I'm going to give you one simple way. Walk around your neighborhood as a family and pray for your neighbors. 
Like, just walk around and go, I pray for joy on this house and blessings on this house and salvation for this house. And when it's once in a blue moon and a neighbor actually comes outside the front door, usually it's to check their mail, all right? And if it's anything like my neighborhood, when they see me coming, they like make a beeline back to the door, right? It's like, oh, he's probably going to talk to me, all right? He's at least going to ask me how I'm doing, all right? But when you do actually encounter a neighbor, stop and say, you know what? We're just walking around praying for, for our neighbors. Is there anything specifically that I can pray for you about? And what happens is in that moment, we begin thinking to ourselves, I can't do that because what if they get mad at me? Listen, I've done this a long time. Ask a lot of people in my life how I can pray for them, complete strangers, and never once have I had anyone tell me to shove it and leave. No one's ever got mad at me. Well, and then we go, well, what if they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? Probably not going to happen because they have to pick themselves off the floor that someone actually asked them how they could pray. But if they do ask you a question and you know the answer, say, hey, I'll have to get back to you on that. Don't you think that when we're, when we're called to do something as simple as just pray and we begin to have doubts in our minds, don't you think that maybe that's not from the Lord, but maybe that's demonic whisperings in our minds to tell us that we're not good enough? That he's telling us, you're not brave enough to prayer walk around with your kids or, or you're not brave enough to ask someone how you can pray for them. Like, and you don't know enough theologically to answer questions. And so instead of looking dumb, just don't even do it at all. Don't you think that that's demonic whisperings? And what's funny is that when I look at scripture, I see that God never used the smartest or the bravest or the strongest. He always used the dumbest and, and the weakest and, and the one that's most afraid. In fact, I would say this, if you're, the dumber you are, the more likelihood God can use you great, greatly. I mean, I, I'm not meant to call you dumb, but I'm just saying, like, I, I think you got to leg up on those that maybe aren't dumb. And so the point is not, are you smart or are you dumb? Are you strong? Are you brave? The point is this, is that God has the habit of taking dull knives and defeating armies with them because God wants to receive the glory. And when we sit there and we, went, we convince ourselves, I can't do this, that's not from the Lord. That's demonic whisperings telling you you aren't good enough because if the Lord was saying you aren't good enough, his next words would be this, but that's okay because I am. You're not strong enough, that's okay, I am. Go. There's a reality that I think is really hard for us to wrap our minds around. It's just because it's an insulated, westernized culture thing. But we gotta realize that our home is not a couple things. Number one, our home is not a monastery. Our home is not a place where we can try to keep sin out and keep our kids safe. We're, it's, just, it's just us and our family. That's not what our homes are meant to be. And if you're trying to keep your home insulated from sin, you're doing a really bad job because you live in it right? Like, you're a sinner. You make mistakes. You'll mess up. Your kids are going to see you mess up. So you can't keep that out. So your home's not a monastery. Your home is also not a cruise ship. You Listen, you are not a recreational director for your children. You're not. That's not what your home is. You know what your home is? Your home has been placed strategically in your neighborhood to be used by God to move and to make disciples of those around you. That is exactly where you are where you are. I, you think you picked where you live? That's cute. God placed you there. God placed you there to be a difference maker. I said in the first service, and I've said this multiple times over the years, I, I feel like I preach the same sermons over and over and over, and eventually you're gonna pick up on it and you're just not gonna show up anymore, all right? But I'm gonna keep saying this. You know, God did not give you your spouse and your children to make you happy. 
Now, don't get me wrong. Happiness happens, you know, like you're going to have good memories and you're going to go on cool vacations and you're going to do lots of fun things and happiness is going to happen. That's a byproduct. God did not give you your spouse so that you will have a lifetime um, best friend. Now that happens, hopefully, you are best friends with your, with your spouse. But the reality is this. God has actually put your family together as a unit and he's placed you where you are to be a disciple-making outpost in the middle of a dark and weary land. That's where your family is, to be a difference maker in your neighborhood. And he's given the whole family the responsibility of let's do this together. And how can we do it together? Because I'm making disciples in my home. And then let's spill that out and let's make disciples of our neighborhoods. It's not just our neighborhoods though, another place is this, it's our city. It's our city. Like, I want our church to have such an impact in our surrounding area that if we cease to exist as a church, it would be felt. And so I begin really asking myself this question. I'm going to cater it very specifically today, and then I'm going to tweak it just a little bit. Here's the question I'm, I'm toying with. is would our city feel a little darker if our church ceased to exist? Would Southwest Oklahoma City feel darker if South Lake's church ceased to exist? Now, we could cater this to many things. Would your neighborhood feel a little darker if you moved? Would your work feel a little darker if you stopped working there? How about this one? Would your family be a little darker if you stopped going to church and reading God's word? Would it? Because I think that's a key question. And I love, and it's taken six years for us to get this partnership, and I'm so glad it's here. I love John Glenn Elementary. I love Southlake Elementary. I love that, that we have principals that are for us, and they want to see us uh, come alongside and partner with them. And I want to be, be all in to help these schools, and I want to be whatever we can be to help those schools out. And I love it. And I love how everyone has stepped up and done so much. But my question is, do we have the capability to do more in order to push back darkness? But it's not just our home, and it's not just our neighborhood, it's not just our city. Last but not least, it's also the nations. It's the nations. And I think it's time for us, if, if, if we are encouraging you as elders to renew and remember what the Lord has called us to, then I think that as pastor, it's time for us to remember and renew what God has started us off doing six years ago. And we've got to jump back into missions I know the last 18 months we've kind of hit pause on things and a lot of it is because of of safety and, and because of travel restrictions and all sorts of things. But we have got to get back to going. We've got to get back to church planting We've got, we, we started in Kansas City and we went to Nicaragua and we did all this good stuff and I'm glad, but we've got to get back to finding places where we need to plant churches so that they can push back darkness. I love, we're almost there. We're so, I, I feel like I've been saying it for a while now, but we're so close. We've got measurements in and we're getting prices right now. There is a sister church that we help partner with in uh, Tulsa called Turn Church. And where God has placed them strategically in their neighborhood, in their neighborhood, most people don't have a washer, dryer, or a car. And so when it's time to wash the clothes, the, uh, the, a parent or maybe a kid loads up all the stuff in a basket and they walk, I can't remember if it's a half a mile or a mile, it, it, it's a wide, the bus stop's not like right there. You walk to the bus stop, you ride the bus stop, you spend a few hours in the laundromat and then you come back. Like, if I wanted to wash a shirt right now, I'll just go home and wash a shirt. And they can't. And so Pastor Tiller 
who's a good friend of mine, said, Joey, we have a vision to build a laundromat in our church that our people can invite neighbors to, and then they can come and, and, and have decency of having a washer and dryer close by. But they don't have the means to do that. And I said, you know what? But we do. And so we're going to be taking weekend trips up as soon as all the, 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 all the, we get all the final details worked out where you and your family can go up on the weekend and we're going to build a laundromat out of Turn Church. In October, I'm super excited about this, me and a team of four are traveling to central Mexico and we're looking to partner with a church planter who's planting a church in the middle of the drug cartel in central Mexico. I'm super excited about that. He was saved out of this drug cartel and God's called him to go back and save those that God has called, uh, that God's called him to. And I wanna partner with that. In January, I'm gonna be taking a trip to Roatan. That's an island off of the coast of Honduras. And we're looking to possibly plant a church on the beach of Roatan. Now, if you wanna know a place that everyone should go on a, a mission trip, just go Google Roatan, all right? So it is incredible. But you know what? It's dark. And people need Jesus. On Thursday, I got a phone call from the North American Mission Board. That is the church planting wing of Southern Baptist here in the United States. And they said, listen, we are wanting to set up a church residency program in the state of Oklahoma. And we need churches that would be willing to have church planters come and they would do residencies there. Would your church be interested? And I go, uh, yeah, send them all. And then we can partner with them and plant churches in the state of Oklahoma. It's time for us to get back to what God's called us to because where are we called to make disciples? In our home, in our neighborhoods, in our city, and around the world. But this leads us to the how. How do I submit to the command to move? Like, okay, I, I, you give me the places, but how do I do this? And I think this one is simple to lay out but hard to... to um, implement a lot of times. It doesn't matter what your maturity level is, whether you've been a Christian for a day or you've been a Christian for 60 years. It doesn't matter. I think there's three things that have to happen if Christ has authority, if he's Savior and he's Lord of your life and he's calling you to move and you've got the four places we move to, home, neighborhood, city, and nations, then how we do that is the same for all. And here's the three things. Number one is this. It starts with praying, praying, specifically praying for your family, praying for salvation to come, for sanctification, for, for your family to look more like Jesus, for blessings, for joy, for protection, for peace which surpasses all understanding if you need that. Pray for your neighborhood. I was taught this several years ago. Take a half sheet of paper or you can take a whole sheet of paper, whatever. Draw a circle, that represents your house and then draw circles representing all the houses around you and as you meet your neighbors, write their names. Now, don't put this on your, on your refrigerators for when they come over and they see like a map with your neighbor's names on. That's creepy, okay? Don't do that, all right? But what, you, what this is, is that as you get to know your neighbors more, you can actually put down specific prayer requests. So for example, my next door neighbor, Christine, right? Um, a big dog person, lost, lost one of her dogs, right? And I, we were just out, I was talking to her one day and she said, yeah, I just lost my dog. I mean, she just almost broke down. I mean, she's a huge dog person. And I'm like, well, I know I'm going to pray for Christine, right? Write those prayer requests down. Pray for your neighbors specifically by name and for their prayer requests. Pray for your city. Here's a great way to do it. Go on the John Glenn Elementary or the South Lake Elementary school websites and pull up the faculty list. Pick one teacher and commit to pray every day for that teacher. See, it's simple things. 
but it's being intentional, praying. Here's another thing, giving. Now, I, I don't speak a lot on, on money here. Um, I, I think I probably have done it a handful of times in, in six years, okay? And so, but it's worked out pretty well for us because we are a very generous church and I appreciate that. And so I wanted to go back and I wanted to say, I know that the people of South Lakes are generous, but how generous have we been as a church in our first almost six, in our six years of existence? So I went back and, and, and I don't have an exact number, but I can tell you that in the first six years of South Lakes that we have given away somewhere in the neighborhood of $150,000 to $200,000 towards advancing the gospel around the world. That's incredible considering six years ago, this group here, and like I said, a lot of people are in COVID. This is bigger than the church when we started. We had about 35 people that started. Ronnie knows. He's back on the sound booth. He knows how big that was. We have given away $150,000 to $200,000 to push back darkness. That's crazy. But giving is so much more than just money. It's giving of yourself. It's recognizing that this is who I am. This is not me. God's created me to fit perfectly within a church that I call home and finding out how do I fit. That, that's another reason covenant renewal is a big deal to me because it's a group of people who are linked together by Jesus as Lord saying that South Lakes is my home and saying I, want, I need to be reminded I'm going to go to the next level. I want to do what scripture says. Covenant renewal has very little to do with you being a better church member. It has everything to do with saying, God, I just want to be committed to having you be Lord of my life. And these are the things that I see scripturally that I should be doing. Now, why is this important that, that we go or that, that we, I mean, sorry, that we give? It's because of this. How many disciples were there with Jesus um, that day? Eleven. I want to show you this graphic. So currently there are 16,319 people groups in the world. And out of that 16,319 people groups, roughly 6,600 of those people groups have been reached with the gospel. I want you to notice the bottom left corner, though, that over 10,000 individuals, or I'm sorry, 10 million individuals have no access to the gospel. That means that when they die, they didn't even realize that there was a reality of a hell. And they are stepping into eternity with a very um, difficult realization but the reason I share this is this, is that remember how I said God is a plan A God, he's not a plan B God, and the church is the vehicle through whom God is gonna reach the world? Well, the beginning of the church were those 11 men who were sold out. Yes, did they have doubts? Absolutely. It says it in scripture. But they go, we're all in. And because those 11 men were all in, there have been over 6,600 people groups that have been reached with the gospel because of their faithfulness. Because they made disciples, she made disciples, she made disciples, they gave of themselves. And my question is this, what could a church, I don't know, let's just say South Lakes Church, who has about 250 people that call, call South Lakes Church home, what would happen if 250 people were just as sold out if 11 could reach 6,600? Man, what, what could we do? It's giving. And then last but not least, this leads to the third thing, what, how do I do this? You go, you go. For some, that's going for a walk tonight in your neighborhood and starting to pray with your kids. By the way, if you've never walked around praying out loud and your kids walking around, it's a very weird experience, especially when your neighbors start walking by, right? Because you start praying, you go, Lord, I pray for blessings on that house, and then Joe will start walking by, and you'll go, and Lord, I pray for Sally too. And your kids will be like, 
why are you whispering? Uh, I, I, I don't know. So I, you know why. You're embarrassed, all right? But for some, that's what we're called to do. For others, maybe it's going up to turn church here in a few weeks and helping to swing a hammer, knock out a wall, lay some pipe, and help to put in a laundromat. For others, we've done this year-long campaign of grab a ping-pong ball, grab a white ping-pong ball, put the initials of someone that you want to invite to church, pray for that person, drop them in and say, I'm committing to pray for them. It's just a silly little way for us to say, man, I want to see what's happening in people's lives. And so maybe it's grabbing a ping-pong ball and inviting someone to church. And for all of us, it's having eyes open to those around us to see the world the way that God sees the world. And so the last question is this. We've said, where should I make disciples? How should I make disciples? And the third question is, well, where do I start? Well, where do I start? Because a lot of times the reason that people don't do anything is because they don't know where to start to begin with. So I think it starts, number one, with this, with a commitment to make him not only Savior of your life, but Lord of your life. And so if he's never become savior of your life, if you've never asked him into your life to, be, to, to forgive you of your sins and to become and be king of your life, then it starts there. But then you have to realize that a disciple submits to the scripture. And by the way, I just want to say it's never exciting and it's never popular to always submit to scripture. It's not. And, not, and not, everyone doesn't always understand that. And sometimes people within the church are the ones that don't understand the most. But that's okay. We keep pressing forward. And we say, I'm going to be committed because not only is Jesus Savior, but he's Lord. I'm going to say it again. I think this is like my fourth time to say it. COVID has wreaked havoc on people's lives for 18 months. And I'm not talking about just physically. Spiritually, they're getting their teeth kicked in. And I think that it's a good thing for us at times to take a moment to reflect on who has God called me to be as a believer and how can I reaffirm my commitment to the calling that God calls me to, which is to make him Lord and to walk a life of obedience. So there's a couple things I would encourage people to do. Number one is this. If you're a covenant member of South Lakes Church, um, I would encourage you, and you should have got one of these in the mail uh, about six weeks ago or so. We've also got more yeah, we got more printed up here, all right? Uh, there was a lot of people that forgot theirs during the first service. So take this, all right, and let's throw it up there. And I would encourage you, don't look at this and go, man, I got to do all these things perfectly. Say, no, this, this is just simple things that the Lord says, this is what God's calling me to do, right? He's calling me to, to, to pray, and he's calling me to be in church and to share each other's joys and bear each other's burdens, and he's hold each other accountable. These are just things that scripture says we should be doing. It's not that you're always gonna perfectly do these things because no one ever will, but it's saying, okay, here, here's the starting place. This is scripturally the starting place. And so if you're a covenant member, just do that. There's a basket up here. You can drop it in there, all right? If you're like, well, I'm not a covenant member, so what should I do? There's these cards. We passed these out last week. It's where do I fit cards? And it kind of looked like this. And you can take a card over here and you can circle a couple things that interest you. If you're like, I'm not interested in any of those things, great. Put it down something in the other box, all right? And, and give us your name and your contact inf information. By the way, if you did not get contacted this week, the staff had a baseball bat taken to them by Satan, and it got a little crazy. And so we probably got about half of the cards contacted. I promise you, you will get contacted. We're not neglecting what I promised last week. It was just a really rough week for us, okay? And so do that. Grab that. Put it in the basket. 
If you're like, okay, but I've done that, but I'm still not a covenant member, like what should I do? Then I would say this. We used to do this thing called pastor's cookout and then COVID happened and now I can't have people at my house and barbecue because people look at that weirdly. So we're doing something called pizza with the pastor. It's very creative, right? We're very creative around here. And so it's pizza with the pastor. It's basically what we've been doing the last two or three times. We're meeting here at the church. We're bringing in pizza, all right? And then I'm just explaining this is what it means to be a South Lake, to be a part of South Lake's church, all right? Next one is September 11th. It's at 5.30. Don't worry, I looked at the OU game. They're playing a high school team. It's on pay-per-view. You're not going to miss anything, okay? All right, in fact, here's a QR code. Whether you're joining us online or here, if you just take a picture of that or, or have your phone scan that, it'll take you right to the form for you to be able to sign up to be able uh, to come to Pastor's Cookout and start the, pro- or, I'm sorry, see, I, I'm, it's in my mind, Pastor's Cookout, pizza with the pastor to start the process. Now, if you have done pizza with the pastor, I would say this, stop dating the church and move forward in a commitment is what I would say, right? You can't date someone forever, right? It's like, what are you doing? Keeping your options open forever? Like, eventually, like, if the Lord, if, you're, if you love that person, then you're going to put a ring on it. And you're going to say, you are, you're it for me. You are it for me, right? I chose you, unlike my children who the Lord graciously gives me and I want to give away. I chose you though. So, right? I chose you. And I want to be with you. And I would say, come on. If you've gone to pizza with the pastor, then go to the next step. Let me know. I don't know. I think there's a lot of things that could happen in this room, a lot of movement, whether it's give your life to Jesus, whether it's renew a commitment, or if you've gone, gone through all the steps and you've been waiting, today's the day that you can become a covenant member, put it in the thing. Fill out this, drop it in the thing. Sign up for Pastor the Cookout, and let me show you something. I know I'm going to step off screen, and people, I'll, I'll come back, I promise, online people. So, last week we talked about how every person is a puzzle piece. So what's going to happen is that this week, we're going to go through all the cards, whether it's covenant renewals or it's new covenant members or it's where do you fit cards. And we have a giant puzzle that is coming, right? And what's going to happen is that when you walk in next week, this is going to start being filled in by colored uh, uh, puzzle pieces. So that There is a physical representation of this is what the puzzle of South Lakes looks like. And we won't be fully healthy until this puzzle is full. Now, here's the thing. Once this thing gets full, and I think it's going to get full pretty quickly because we keep growing as a church, is that the, 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 the picture just keeps getting bigger, right? And so the point is this, is that you are important. And so when you come in next week and you fill it out, this puzzle, not this one because this is Minnie Mouse, but this one is going to be there and, this, and you're going to be able to see exactly where we are. And I'm really excited about that because I think this is a great visual representation of who God has designed the church to be, especially when we looked out of 1 Corinthians 12 last week, okay? So covenant renewal, give your life to Jesus. Where do I fit in? Signing up for pastors at pizza with the pastor. I'm gonna have to just work on remembering that that's what it's called now, all right? And then next week, we'll put this in and you can see, wow, I really am making a difference. I really am needed by my church. Why? Because that's how we get healthy and that's how we continue to carry out the mission that God gives us. And the mission is this. We are plan A for reaching a lost and dying world. And we can't do it if we're not healthy. So let me pray for us. Father, I come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And I just want to pray for those that are here in person. And I pray for those that are watching online. I pray for those that are going to be watching later this week.
And God, I pray. Well, no, I just want to thank you, God, for how unique the church is. Not like South Lake's church necessarily, but just all churches. And how you have intimately put every church together and you have equipped them with everything needed to be healthy to carry out the mission of the church. And so, Father, I pray that as we just kind of reorient ourselves, as we look to renew and recommit, God, I pray that we uh, would be reminded that it doesn't matter what the last 18 months has thrown our way. It doesn't matter if we've been great at following you or making you Lord or, or if we've really fallen short, God. You're not here to throw stones and condemn. You're here to offer us a hand and offer us grace. And so, Father, I pray... God, that as everyone contemplates, what do I do? I pray that you would just move them to action. God, whether that's renewing their commitment, not, not so much to South Lakes, but just renewing their commitment to you being Lord of their lives. I pray that they would do that. I pray if, if they need to find a way to start getting plugged into the church, that they would do that with the where do I fit cards? they need to give their lives to Jesus I pray that today would be the day that you shatter their hearts and they realize that you are Savior and Lord and that you desire to come live and be king of their lives God if they need to start the process of becoming more than just someone that calls themselves family but they want to truly become entrenched here at the church they want to move past the dating phase and they want to move into commitment I pray that they would start that process, maybe with pizza with the pastor, or maybe with talking with me, I don't know. Father, I just ask that you would move and that the outcome of this distinctive series, if nothing more, would be this, that we are reminded that you call, you are called not just to be savior of our lives, you are called to be Lord of our lives. And that requires us bowing in submission and recognizing you are the Alpha and Omega we are nothing simply more than a six-month-old that you have no desire to take advice from because you know what's best for us because you are a good, good father. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want you to ask, ask the Lord, hey, how am I doing to make you Lord of my life? And you already know the answer to that, but talk to him about that. And when you're done talking to the Lord about how well are you doing in making him Lord of your life, I would encourage you to stand and join the band as they sing. Come over to the table, grab a covenant, grab a card, grab a ping pong ball, whatever it is you need to do. Fill that out, drop it in the box, and then come back and let's worship the King of Kings. Father, we give this time to you. Would you move in a powerful, powerful way? We love you and we thank you. Elizabeth, let's go ahead and let's sing. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about South Lakes Church, go to slchurch.life.